0: Welcome to the to the back into podcast, and welcome to a special retro episode. I'm flying solo here. The intro, bro, but I'm looking forward, forward to getting into a huge month for us here on the podcast. We got a lot of fun stuff. If you guys, if you guys listen to our uh, Sh- the manure episode from last week, you would heard and, and I'll um, you can hear me or me pulling up my list here. But but uh, so today's retro retro episode be the Burbs. And then later uh, this week, we'll be recording, recording top five 196 songs with, with Paramol Pat and uh, the palindrome Jedi Anna as a special, special guy. Okay. And then we're going to be doing a, uh, another, another top five, uh, just our top five movie movies about music. So a lot of good movies to pick from there. We've got part two of our interview with Bud Brutzman coming up. Um, earlier in the month, um, we had uh, the director from the last blockbuster on, on, Taylor Mullen. That, that was a fantastic episode. And of course, you know this being the month that we get 1996 and more Tom Hanks, um, we're going to be doing that thing you do. To close close out the so um, anyway this, this retro episode here, um, *Burbs*, one of mine eighties favorite movies of all time. It's from nineteen eighty nine. Man, it's it's a ama- it's amazing. These these guys that live in the suburbs, and uh, the uh, the main character by Tom Hanks is uh, on vacation, and you know he's tucked into you know, the, the neighbors like the, these bad guys. So him, him and his butter, you know, so searching for bodies in the backyard. They're accidentally blowing up the house. I mean, I mean, such an amazing cast. As to burn Carrie Fisher, Corey Feldman, um, name a few of them. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a really fun episode. We had a, a lot of good, good laughs on here. So sit down and uh, relax, relax, enjoy a little bit of the burbs. And then on uh, Friday, you can enjoy top five songs from 1996 right here as well. Um, thanks for listening. If you're not subscribed already, already do that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube. You can watch all the, all the full episodes are record, recorded on there as well. So if you want to subscribe on YouTube and throw us some support, that would be amazing. Um, but, you, but you guys enjoy this intro and uh, enjoy the, uh, the burbs. JD, how are you today? Spookin' Fantastic, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I also don't know what Spookin' Fantastic means.
1: I think it's another t-shirt, patent pending.
0: <laughs> we keep talking about t-shirts. We really need to get something going. I want to thank you guys for hitting the download button on today's podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere else you listen to podcast. And also make sure you hit that subscribe button. That'll make sure you never miss an episode. That's also the best way to help support the show. So before we jump into the burbs, let's travel back to last week and talk about D2, the Mighty Ducks. JD, what feedback did you get on our D2 episode?
1: Honestly, a lot of fans of Charlie came out to bat and were kind of upset about how hard I am about him.
0: It's a real thing. Like you really hate... Pretty much all Charlies. I think we, we found out you only like Charlie Brown.
1: I, I do like Charlie Brown. That is correct. And I think I do hate most other their Charlies. I, are there any Charlies that I'm missing? Fans? Audience? I mean, obviously you guys really, really like Charlie Conway, and I really don't.
0: Wouldn't that be a cool t-shirt? There's, I hate Charlie in the Mighty Ducks colors. I feel like that would sell pretty nice. I'm more of a Goldberg guy myself. I think we talked about on the last episode, but we were joined on that episode by Dave from Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. So shout out to him. We appreciate him coming on the show. You can also check out J.D. over on his podcast at Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. And he was a guest on a Getting to Know episode. So if you want to get to know J.D. a little bit more than us telling dick jokes and <laughs> ripping on each other like we do every week. Get a little bit more in depth by going over to Dave's Pop Culture Podcast and checking out that episode. JD, anything you want to share from that? I I haven't actually had the chance to listen to the whole episode. Did you guys get into anything else other than... uh blockbuster and you walking your fat ass down there
1: (laughs) no we had a great conversation about movies and films and everything from asylum horror movies to just the really awful b movies that we each have on our our dvd shelf so it was a fantastic time i'm hoping that i'll be able to do it again and every time he's on our show it's 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 simply lovely
0: yeah we enjoy having him now today's going to be a little different we wanted to keep it short we got a lot to talk about with the Burbs. This is one of my favorites. It's definitely one of JD's favorites. So we want to keep the intro kind of short. So if you guys want to hear our normal back and forth banter that we usually do, just go to our last episode. We had a ton of it. It was a really funny show. And that was on our Monday teaser trailer episodes for the Burbs. And you can also listen to all the box office and critic response, everything you want to know about the film numbers wise. Let's get into it, JD. Let's talk some intro to the Burbs. You ready? Ready and raring. I'm. I'm. I'm seriously. I'm on the edge of my seat. All right. The Burbs is a 1989 American comedy thriller film directed by Joe Dante, starring Tom Hanks, Bruce Stern, Carrie Fisher, Rick Ducommun, Corey Feldman, Wendy Shaw, and Henry Gibson. The film was written by Dana Olsen, who also has a cameo in the movie. The film pokes fun at suburban environments and their sometimes eccentric dwellers. Tom Hanks has said that he found admiration for Dante's directorial style saying Joe has a stylized visionary way of looking at the entire movie. It's pure filmmaking. The story is told from the camera's point of view and that's the type of movie I haven't made yet. Dante in turn praised his star. The most impressive thing about Tom Hanks as a comic actor is how effortless he makes it seem. He actually is very diligent about his acting, but his comic sense, what is going to work and what isn't is really unparalleled. JD, what, we're going to talk a lot more about these two, but I wanted to kind of add this in here. What do you think about the quote from Tom Hanks and vice versa, Joe to Tom? I, th- I love the way that it sort
1: of captures a lot of the magic that this movie is it's you, you can't put a pin on what genre it is. And it isn't just goofball comedy. It's its own special kind of thing. And that goes everything from what the director is doing to Tom Hanks performance.
0: And I really do love the camera's point of view in this movie. I'm probably going to have a lot of points in here about it. Did you pick up on that? Cause I, some of the things I like it's when it's dark in this movie, it's really dark and grainy. And then when it was light, it was like super light and like, luscious green grass like it's really vibrant and i like the mix of the two did you pick up on any of that
1: oh there is so much like that and there's so much forced perspective and then subtle perspective and development from outside sources beyond just the characters themselves like yes there's a reason why i love this movie and i'm totally glad that we're talking about that
0: the film was a 10-week shoot that took place during the summer of 1988 with Dante directing Hanks and the high-profile supporting cast. Dante's laid-back, casual style encouraged improvisation among the actors. He noted, Tom doesn't like to do scenes the way they're always done. He goes out of his way to put a different spin on everything, and his being good as he is and as open as he is, is encouraging to the other actors to do the same. It really set the tone for the movie. It made it a lot of fun to work on. Now, that... That's all the positive stuff. Now some of the challenges here is filming took in place entirely at Universal Studios. Dante said some of the technical and logistical problems they had Dante said as production got underway there was a lot of temptation to broaden it and go outside the neighborhood but it seemed to violate the spirit of the piece. It's almost the kind of thing that could be a stage play except you could never do a stage you could never do on stage with what we've done in this movie. How about that? I have no idea. I guess looking back at it, they they don't leave the neighborhood at all. Ever. I mean, I think no. the, the only shot is you see the Klopex drive away, and when they turn the corner, that's about as far as they go.
1: No, this is a very contained film. And to do that, it, it's difficult to take a story and to contain it in any area. You know, in the house scenes outside the Klopaks houses are not necessarily important. So much of the scenes just take place Outside in the neighborhood.
0: I like it. Box office numbers. They did 49 million worldwide. 36.6 million domestically. And the film met with pretty mixed reviews. It carries about a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. A little bit better on the audience side. Again, we'll break that more down in the teaser trailer episode. So check that out if you want to hear more about that. We're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side, and we've got the full review. Talk to you in a minute.
2: Hey man, what are you doing, Doc?
3: I need fuel. What do we do now, soldier? Well, you heard them say they were going away tomorrow. As soon as that car leaves in the morning, I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it.
0: All right, we're back from the bathroom break, ready to dive into the burbs. We start with a shot of Ray walking out of his house late at night, stares hard at the Klopak house. I love the difference in the yards here. Um, Ray's is a real nice, like full dark green Klopex house. Nothing but dirt, couple, couple weeds here and there. The next day Ray goes outside. He gets the newspaper thrown into his gut. And as the kid rides by on his bicycle, he kind of flicks his coffee at him. His neighbor, Walter comes outside as well. His dog, Queenie runs over to Rumsfield yard and takes a dump. Ricky walks onto the porch with paint cans in his hand. He slams the paint on the stereo and turns it on, blasting music throughout the neighborhood. Rumpsfield comes out of his house with his wife, Bonnie. She hands him a perfectly folded American flag, and he goes to his uh, flag, salutes it as it raises up the pole. He takes a step back, right into the dog craft. He yells, Walter! Ricky laughs and says, I love that guy. Inside the house, Ray is watching this all unfold with his wife, Carol. Carol seems, I don't know, slightly annoyed with the whole neighborhood thing, maybe a little tired of it all. Rumsfeld shouts at Walter's house and says if he catches that dog, he's going to staple his ass shut. Bonnie tries to pull him away. JD, we got a lot to unpack here in these first opening scenes. Let's talk about the characters first. We got Ray. He's played by the great Tom Hanks. This is our first Tom Hanks movie. JD, what's your favorite Tom Hanks movie and why is it Turner and Hooch? (laughs) <laughs> I love when you try to guess what my favorite movie is going
1: to be. It's, it's very obviously The Burbs. I, I simply okay. love this movie. I think that this movie is only second to his performance in Family Ties.
0: Okay. Would you like to ask me mine?
1: What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie, and why is it big?
0: Oh, it's Forrest Gump. 100% no, Forrest Gump. And I can't wait till we do that episode. It's going to be a fun one. Mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. I'm not sure
1: you're not allowed to do that. Why not? I, I mean, isn't that like no? Like you can't. Like if if I did, you know, like a, if I was like, you know, you get what I'm saying. I think. Sure. You, you yeah, know, yeah,
0: you yeah. Know. yeah. No, no, I totally get it. What the fuck, is he talking about? Uh, his wife, Carol, of course, is played by the late great Carrie Fisher. JD, when I was young, I guess I didn't even realize this was Carrie Fisher. I did not connect the two dots. I didn't know this was Princess Leia until I got a little bit older. It's such kind of a small role for her. She's important. Don't get me wrong. What did you think of her in this film? And did you make that connection when you were seven, eight years old?
1: Oh, no, I I did not have that connection made when I was younger. It wasn't until watching this movie when I was older, and I was like, holy moly, how did I ever miss out on the fact that she is in this? And she plays such a critical role as both a support character and then a main character as well. Um, she does a great job of, of really bringing some subtle reality to this role that I, she, she plays it perfectly.
0: Rumsfeld is played by Bruce Dern. We also have his wife, Bonnie, as well. What are your thoughts on Rumsfeld and his wife, Bonnie, here? I, I love Rumsfeld's character—he's one of my favorites here.
1: No, he's fantastic. And again, it wasn't until later in life that I realized that's Laura Dern's father.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago. I do, i just never bothered to look. But if you can, you can totally see it in her face. Oh, She's it's totally it's him. Yep. And then the last one, and we'll get to Art in a couple of minutes because he hasn't quite made his debut. Well, we've got Ricky played by Corey Feldman. Of course, we talked about him in our Lost Boys episode. Uh, what did you think of him here as Ricky Butler? He's such a good
1: little comic sidestep, especially in this opening scene where he's just, you know, whatever he's doing, he's, he's got the house, he's painting, he's listening to music. He's just, I love that guy. He's just he's so wholesome.
0: So let's talk about the opening scenes, though. Give me, give me some feedback. What, what did you think of these quick opening scenes and just kind of our quick character development here of introducing quite a few people? I love the way that the movie opens coming in from outer space. Yes. Like, I
1: personally, I've, that's always stuck with me to see. It's just you had this big grand scale of humanity in the world, and we're just zooming into
0: this little tiny story in The Burbs. So we cut to Ray who's complaining about the new neighbors. He says they've been here a month and he wants to know what they're going to do about their yard. Let's listen to Carol and Ray go back and forth here.
3: I wonder what was going on over there last night. I knew this was
2: going to happen. What? Nothing. What, Carol? What did you know was going to happen? It started already. Look at you, you're going to sit around the house all week doing nothing, get bored out of your mind and go back to work in worse shape than you are now. No, I'm not. Oh, please, let's pack up the car and go to the lake. Just get away from here and rest. You should see yourself. You were up at the crack of dawn watching a dog poop. You Earth. call
3: going up to the lake resting? It is four hours of driving on the tollway in holiday traffic to sit in some dank, wet cabin and and wait for that neighbor with the enormous head to get drunk and fall down the stairs. He's a
2: hydrocephalic, and I don't think that you should. Make uh, honey, it's just—that's not my idea of restful. All right, this is restful.
3: That's Hanging right. around the house. Just being lazy, and that's what I want to do. I just want to hang around. Be lazy. Listen to the ball game and, you know, drink a couple hundred beers and maybe smoke an occasional cigar outside. I'll, I'll fix the barbecue in the backyard if you want me to. I'll do that. All right. This is what
2: I need, Carol. I, I need this. And you'll see. At the end of
0: the week, I'll, I'll be a brand new human being. What do you think of this scene? <laughs> Tom Hanks is so great, isn't he? Yes. He just
1: there's something about the way that he acts that's both manic and grounded at the same time and i want to know so much more about his character's backstory he's what on vacation what does he do for a living why is he on vacation it it almost seems like he's on like the verge of a nervous breakdown and he just like had (laughs) to step out of his high powered job to get a
0: week away yeah that i would love to know his backstory too I, i i'm sure dante's covered that on some type of like. DVD commentary, Blu-ray, it's had to have been covered somewhere where I just couldn't find it. We cut to the backyard where we see Art for the first time. He's holding a rifle and he's hunting down a black bird. He gets ready to pull the trigger when the dog comes in, making the bird fly away. He fires several shots, taking out a lamppost and almost killing Ray in the process. Inside the house, Art talks about the Klopex. He calls them psychos. And mentions that no one on the block has spoken to them or seen them yet. Ray calls them the neighbors from hell. And Art says, huh, maybe they are. He calls them strange. No one comes in. No one goes out. No visitors. No deliveries. And Ray theorizes that maybe they just like to keep to themselves. Ray's son Dave comes in and says there are three of them. And we can see them at night. That's when they come out. JD, what do you make of the cloak packs and... Uh, our introduction to art.
1: Dude, art is so much fun in this movie. He's so removed from reality that it's just great. He's like the perfect res- representation of the burbs with the way that he dresses, the way that he acts. My stepdad has a rifle just like that, that he has that he used to shoot out animals in the backyard. It's just silly. And I think everybody, and I think we I believe we talked about this in the teaser trailer, everybody had that haunted house on their block. Yeah. And I love the way that these adults are sort of fantasizing and theorizing about it and sort of losing themselves into the possibility of what this bleak haunted house could be the same way that kids are. And I think that's what's attractive of this movie as children when we first saw it and why it holds up as adults.
0: Outside, the Rumsfields are working on their yard. Ricky comments on how Bonnie doesn't have any tan lines this morning. She gushes over the comment and Rumfell says, the kid's a meatball. Ray and Art are hanging out when Klopek's front door opens up and we get our first look at one of the family members here. It's Hans, a little scraggly, long beard, very pale. Looks like it's the first time he's gotten any vitamin D in a while. Uh, we have a neat behind the shoulder shot behind Hans who looks around the neighborhood to see literally all the neighbors just staring at him. Art tells Ray to go say hi. He hesitates a little. And that's when Hans goes back inside before they can talk to him. JD, your first impression of Hans Klopek. (laughs) Hans Klopek
1: is such a Steven Schwartz here. He's the real meatball.
0: (laughs) I like that um, Art kind of gives him a bunch of crap in this next scene. He's like, you know, why why won't you go over there? So Ray just starts pushing him towards the house. And then Ricky says, go for it, Mr. Peterson. Yeah. They approach the porch. And we have these awesome shots of each character's like their faces are just getting zoomed in on as they watch art and Ray art steps on the porch and his foot goes right through the porch floor art comments that it's probably a booby trap. They knock on the door, the house numbers flip over and it says six, six, six Ray knocks again. And the light fixtures falls breaks and a big or a whole nest of bees. I should say come flying out Ray and art run for it. Rumsfield yells, run to the water. So he goes running after them with a hose, but it cuts off and he falls and lands on his back. We cut to Ricky, who's just laughing hysterically at them running from bees. They finally get to Rumsfeld, who hoses him down. JD, what'd you think of this scene?
1: This is a perfect example of how they take, and Joe Dante measures horror and thriller and scares and terror, and then just infuses comedy with it. And then it turns into this whole comedic scene where we got these amazing zoom-ins on the people's faces, including the dog's face, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah and everybody. It, the, the, I, we haven't hit on this yet. That dog is somebody famous, too, isn't
0: he? Or she? That's an interesting fact, yes. Go ahead, go ahead and share it with our listeners. I, I, I We talked about this offline. Is that not the dog from Silence of the Lambs? Sure is. It is. Okay. Puts the lotion on its skin.
1: That's so... Great and preview of you.
0: Yeah. It also um, does put the lotion on its skin. Oh, you know? well, where else are you going to put the lotion? Right.
1: You're not going to put it on
0: your cereal. It mm, wouldn't be very good. A little pasty. So we have Ray exiting the house late at night. He's taking the dog for a walk. He starts off toward the Klopax, but then quickly reverses and goes the other way. Art yells to not let the dog crap on the lawn. And then Art and Ricky kind of share a laugh. And Art says to Ricky, Yeah, he comes over here to smoke a cigar because his wife won't let him do it at the house. And he doesn't know that I know that, so don't say anything. Oh, hey, Ray. What are you doing? (laughs) He makes his way over, pulls out the cigar, and Ricky says, need a light? In anticipation. Let's listen to Ricky and Art. They're going to tell a pretty neat story here. I love this scene. You know,
3: did you ever see the movie The Sentinel, Mr. Peterson? It's about the old guy who owns the apartment, which is kind of like the uh, gateway to hell. No, I didn't see that. Oh, well, I was doing some thinking.
2: And, you know, being that their last house burned down and all,
3: it's like maybe somebody left the gate open. It's then They're moving around again. You know, it was a night just like this that had happened. What happened, Mr. Weingartner? Oh, it was a long time ago, Ricky. Hinkley Hills was a lot smaller then. Safer, too. You never had to lock your doors. Everybody knew everybody. I must have been maybe, oh, nine, ten years old. You know where the big mall is? Yeah. Well, there used to be a big drugstore down on the corner there. It had had a big soda fountain in it. You remember that? Yeah, Yeah, the guy who ran it was a was a rotund guy, had glasses, his name was uh, Skip, lived over in Elm, had a wife, a couple kids, you know, not too sharp, I mean, hey, the guy's 40 years old, he's wearing a paper hat and he's making cherry cokes, it's a cinch, he's not running for governor, right? (laughs) Anyway, it got hot that summer, I remember it got real hot, it was sweltering, you know that heat where your underwear sweats and it curls up the, anyway, it's hot, okay, and they start, they start smelling this, this really vile stench over on Elm and and they figure it's coming from Skip's place. And no one wants to say anything. I mean, what do you do, go knock on the guy's door? Hi, your house stinks. So so people are trying to ignore it, right? They're trying to pretend it isn't happening. And, and you know those pine things? They're trying to cover up with those pine things that you put in cars. People are hanging those on their porches. <laughs> oh, you think that's funny, Ricky? Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah? Let me tell you what happened next, okay? The state health inspector shows up. They go over, they talk to Skip. He says he's got a sump pump problem. They leave, hey, the guy's got a little sewer problem. He says he'll look after it. Everything's okay, right? Yeah. Wrong. A couple hours later, there's smoke pouring out of the windows of Skip's house. The firemen show up, they go into Skip's house. You know what they find? What? Skip's family, dead, murdered by Skip, weeks earlier with an ice pick. Yeah, the guy killed his whole family. Yeah, just put them in the cool basement, cover them up with a sheet, and went back to making ice cream treats for the townsfolk. Only thing, Skip didn't count on there being a big heat wave that summer. You know what that was that all those people were smelling over on Elm, Ricky? What? Skip's family's bodies decomposing in the summer heat. Yeah, apparently one day Skip just made one too many lemon phosphates. Oh, snap i remember that I, re- I remember hearing about that when i was a kid they 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 tore down the soda fountain that fall you know, these towns are full of those kind of stories sometimes they're happening right under your nose you know speaking of noses ever since his family has moved to this block i've been noticing a weird kind of odor kind of like death <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <a little> higher. <laughs> oh Sorry, Mr. Peterson, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to was I, I apologize.
0: Mistake. JD, kind of a long scene here, but I love the backstory. What'd you think of this? It's
1: a really cool setup and it's a good job of comparison. And like, it, it sets up our story against another story. So we've got this fictional world inside of a fictional world. And honestly, it kind of sounds like the plots of the movie Ice Cream Man starring Clint Howard. Well,
0: nice name drop. I like it. Hey, then that,
1: that movie definitely came up in the uh, the Shoot the Breeze episode with Dave. So,
0: In his archives. Check it out. Yeah, you know, one thing I, I like is the payoff at the end is really cool, too, where Ricky scares the living crap out of Ray. I like oh, that yeah. part as well. It's
1: such a meta part because, you know, it's building the terror and the horror, and then it's almost as if the
0: filmmakers are kind of like, yeah, we know what we're doing. Snap, jump scare. It's a good payoff. I like it. Later that night, Ricky's setting up some lawn chairs with the girl that he's with. She's like, can't we just go to a movie? And he's like, no, this is going to be way more entertaining than that. Art exits the house and Ricky says, right on schedule. God, I love this street. We see Art tiptoe his way across the yard over to Ray's window. He taps on the glass. Ray turns around first and he kind of motions. And then when Carol turns around, he hits the deck, which made me laugh. And then when he comes back up, they're both just staring at him. He's like, just come outside. Ricky comments to his girlfriend that the show has started. He says, that's Mr. Peterson. He's basically grounded in reality. And he doesn't want to believe that his neighbors are up to no good. You see the fat guy over there? That's Mr. Weingartner. He thinks the clopacks are really evil. So he and Mr. Rumsfeld decided to do a little snooping around. This should be pretty good. We get to Rumsfeld's house. He exits and he's got an infrared night vision scope. They hear a loud buzzing noise coming from the Klopex house. The wind starts to pick up and we hear this really loud buzzing noise. They all kind of cover their ears as the Klopex house lights up. A lightning strikes the top of the house and Rumsfeld comments that it smells like they're cooking a goddamn cat over there. The garage opens up and someone leaves the Klopak home with no headlights on, stops at the end of the driveway, gets out and we see it's Hans and he stuffs a heavy Big garbage bag into the trash can, then smashes it down with a flattening tool. He puts on the can lid and backs up into the garage and shuts the door. Art says, "I can see the news report now. They were a quiet family, kept pretty much to themselves. No one have ever expected them to foul play." Ray says he's never seen anyone drive their garbage down to the tree, the street, and smash it with a stick. It starts raining. The scene ends. J.D. Ricky promised this would be entertaining. What'd you think of this scene?
1: It's definitely entertaining, and it's definitely picking up. The stakes are growing bigger. Like, they're not just, you know, speculating anymore. They have something tangible and something creepy, which is why I always tell people, and I always do this, always keep your neighbors off guard. Do something creepy every day so your neighbors never know what you're up to. So that way, if you do decide to kill some people, um, they'll just kind of be like, well, that's what he normally does. He normally drives his garbage down the, the driveway.
0: You're totally the guy that Art is describing. He seemed like a nice guy, kind of kept to himself.
3: Thank yeah, you. You're that, totally
0: him. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Well, you're welcome, asshole. Later that night, we see Ray watching through the bedroom window as three people in the Clopax backyard frantically are digging holes in the pouring rain. Such a great scene to add in there. The next day, the garbage men are emptying the trash cans in front of Klopek's house. Art runs out to stop them and starts searching through the trash. Ray and Carol get into a big argument over going to the cabin, and Ray doesn't really want to go, and he tells her just to go by herself and take Dave with you. Dave comes in and tells his dad that Art is going through the garbage in the street. They're like, what? So Ray goes rushing out of the house, and he finds Rumsfeld and Art. And they're just like, we can't find anything. There's nothing in here. One of the garbage men here is Dick Miller. We talked about him in the Gremlins episode where he played Mr. Futterman. JD, did you make that connection? That's where he's from. Dang it.
1: Yeah. I was sitting there the whole time. I'm like, why? I know this guy's voice. I know his face. He's he's cranky.
0: He's so good. He's awesome in the Gremlins. In our archives. Check it out. Bonnie tells the guys that Walter must have had to leave in a hurry because he forgot Queenie. They enter his house to search around, and they find Walter's toupee on the ground. Rumsfeld comments that old guys never go anywhere without their toupees. That's so true. JD, I mean, you don't ever leave the house without yours, right? Well, it, I at least put the hat on, the little yarmulke. Okay. It ties it in nice, though. Are you <laughs> still rocking that like straight like Amish toupee that you had for a while? With the straight line? You
1: know, I'm not going to lie to you. A bird stole it. Mm, Like Like a blackbird? That mother effort just swooped right on down and was like, squawk,
0: I'm taking this. (laughs) We have a couple quick throwaway scenes here. And then we see Ray is definitely starting to become more and more suspicious. He's watching this horrible sounding chainsaw movie. JD, did you pick up on what he was watching on the TV? Oh, yeah. We definitely have Texas
1: Chainsaw Massacre. We have The Exorcist. And I don't know what the first movie that he's watching is. I,
0: I didn't catch that one, but I definitely got Chainsaw Massacre and The Exorcist. Pretty iconic. I'm sure somebody will find out and tweet it to us. Now, the next morning, Ray wakes up to an empty house. He walks down the stairs and sees a chainsaw come through the wall. And then he has a dream sequence where he's tied up to a barbecue pit. With all these dudes and pitchforks and their heads are all covered. Walter warns him to not let them do to you what they did to me. We cut to Walter and he's got an axe in his head. It's a pretty awesome sequence. I mean, I would rank this right up there with the big Lebowski dream sequence. As far as a couple of my favorite ones. What do you think?
1: It's an excellent dream sequence. And this is the first time that I noticed something really kind of cool that they do in this, in this spot. Is everybody's wearing hoods but he sees familiar faces in the audience. You know, we see, we've got the neighbor, we have Skip who's being, you know, played by art. And then we've got the two Klopeks because we know that there's three Klopeks in the house, but he's only seen two of them. And in the dream sequence, Hans and Rube are there, but he doesn't know what the
0: third Klopek is.
1: So there's not a third Klopek scene.
0: Good catch. And then I like the payoff here where he wakes up the next morning and he's just sitting there watching Mr. Rogers. Such a big difference from the night before. Uh, It's
1: it's the way that they they keep doing that, where they serve you something scary and then just flop you back to here he is watching Mr. Rogers drinking orange juice in bed. It's just, uh, I don't know, like just, it's it's, uh, awesome.
0: And then we have a scene here where Rumsfeld and Art ask Ray to come out and they show him, they want to show him something. And Carol says, sorry, guys, he can't come out to play until he resembles the man she once married. Art and Rumsfield are like, are you kidding me? She's like, nope, I've been pretty clear. And she sends him home like he's a teenager. I loved it. So Art and Rumsfield go over to the Klopax and put a note under the door. They ring the bell and take off. The door creaks open and the note's picked up. Art runs to the backyard to tell Ray, who's trying to sleep. <laughs> he gets all pissed off. He's like, I'm And then he says, We flushed him out, man. Ray's like, What do you mean you flushed him out? Oh, yeah, we slipped this note under and it says, We know what you've done. That really makes Ray lose his crap. And as Art and Ray are talking, the dog brings over a rather large bone. Art just kind of tosses it the first time. The second time, he goes to toss it again. He's like, This is a femur bone. This is a human thigh bone. Look how huge it is. And Ray says, Yeah, well, he's been digging under the fence, and the scene ends with Art saying, this is Walter. And they both scream, and the camera goes in, and now they're
2: ah!
0: What did you think of this scene? It's one of the most iconic scenes in the movie to me. Like,
1: anytime something bad ever happens or unexpected, I just picture the camera zooming in and zooming out and me screaming. (laughs) <laughs> like uh in seventh grade when I failed that math test and my teacher's like, Here's your here's your test grade, and I was like, No nah! yeah. It's so comedically perfect, but yet at the same time they're holding a human femur.
0: Yeah, it's definitely warranted. I also think in our archives, we covered Wayne's World at one point. They definitely took something from the burbs because they do that scene a couple of times with the camera going in and out, if you remember that. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Carol organizes a meet and greet with the Rumsfields and they go over the drop off some freshly made brownies. Bonnie says, we'll probably find out more in five minutes than you guys can in a month of snooping around. We get to the uh, front porch and Rumsfield falls right through the deck (laughs) and he says, there go the goddamn brownies. Hans doesn't say a word as he just opens up the door and stares at them all. They all enter the house. They go inside and uh, introduce themselves one by one. Uncle Reuben comes in. He walks right up the ray and says, you're the one that lives next door. Meanwhile, outside, Art is making his way over the fence and into the Klopek's backyard. Again, he falls over the fence. Slapstick comedy, I like it. Back in the house, it's super quiet. Hans brings out some snacks. He's got some sardines and pretzels. I know we like to talk food, JD. Have you ever eaten a sardine? And do you have any idea why you would put it on a pretzel?
1: I don't know. Hans has a very specific uh, gourmet hand, mm-hmm. pretzels and sardines. I am not a fan of sardines. I tried it once on a piece of pizza and thought, this is stupid.
0: Go ahead and take a shot at his accent when he says, sardine. Can you hit it?
1: Hold on, hold on. I have, to, I, have to set, yeah. I have to set my level by saying when, when they get the picture, and he's like, oh, pretty girl. And he's like, it comes with frame. <laughs> sardine there you go yeah. there's a sardine?
0: sardine ray takes a bite of the sardine and pretzel he chews it up and kind of gulps it down carol makes small talk as rumfield says clopeck what is that slavic rubin fires back no he's making small talk with rubin when ray starts to have a choking fit he's just, pff, pff, pff. after that rubin mentions oh, it's just him the boy and his brother the doctor the doctor appears We talked about him a little bit in our Biodome episode. It's in our archives. JD, what did you think of Dr. Klopek?
1: I love the way that they intro him with that huge, overwhelming silhouette that comes up the stairs. Yes. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then this just little doctor comes walking around the corner. And he's like, hello, I'm the doctor.
0: Honestly, God, I've taken shits bigger than him. That guy's maybe five foot three, a buck five. You know what, Stopping I don't, what?
1: I, I never want to hear you talking about a poop that you, you drop off in the toilet that's five feet three inches. That was horrible.
0: Well, that's why I have so many issues with the commode. What did that parents smell have always called like? It. Well, it smells like beans and rice. Another dainty oh. old Mexican sombrero. <laughs> Rumsfield finally says, let's cut the nice crap. What do you have in the cellar? Ray says, he's got to go to the bathroom. He goes down the hall and they're like, no, not that door. And he opens it up and this giant Great Dane dog comes out chasing after everybody. It gets to the backyard, sees Art, who has to hop the fence. He eventually kind of falls through it, breaking off pieces of the top. And the alarm sounds off. Ray tells everyone back at the house that he thinks they're clean. Art gets instantly upset. And he says, you know what? Carol, I I need a minute. I gotta talk to the guys in the den. So he goes over and uh, he tells them, or they they feel like Ray's gonna tell them to back off. But it's quite the opposite. Let's listen in here. What's the deal, Ray? Are
3: you siding with the chicks against us? Is that it? Yeah, are you totally pussy whipped or what? Why don't you just take your balls out of your wife's purse, make a stand for one time in your life? <laughs> Hey Ray, come on, it's just a figure of speech Ray It's it's, Walter's rug, so you got an old guy's weight, big deal You've had that in your trousers all day? After you found this in Walter's house yesterday I slipped it back in through the mail slot Well, where did you get it this time? The dog came up out of the basement. I found it wedged between a bunch of magazines, all of which, I might add, were addressed to Walter. Well, then, then that that means that Copex went back inside Walter's house and got the hair. What do we do now, soldier? Well, you heard them say they were going away tomorrow. As soon as that car leaves in the morning, I'm going over the fence and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it.
0: JD, thoughts on the discovery by Ray?
1: Very uh, unexpected. I was not expecting that to happen, which is what I love about this scene. You expect him to be ringing. Bring in his boys out and to be like, hey, we need to calm down here. But nope. He found the rat, the toupee.
0: Something does not add up. The Klopaks are up to no good, and he has evidence! The next day, the Klopaks leave the house. All the neighbors are watching. Ray is pushing Carol out the door. He tells her, yeah, yeah I've got this foursome lined up, and this could be me, Art, and a couple other guys. Okay, Art, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and stop you and okay. ask you
1: clarify he's talking
0: about golf. Yeah, because he says, it's. A, I got a foursome lined up. And then she says, you don't even like golf. And then Art comes over dressed as a golfer with a driver and says, check out my new driver. I know. I know. I know. We know. But the
2: way
1: that you made it sound like, well, I've got a foursome set up. So I'm going to say, my wife it the of other
0: I forget. You're I'm almost... just saying, hey, everybody, Kyle is talking about golf here. OK. Well played, sir. <laughs> as she leaves, Art comes over and he's all dressed up. He's got his driver. And then she leaves and he's like, you think she bought it? It doesn't matter if she did or not. I don't think she did because she backs out very suspiciously. Rumsfeld comes out dressed in his army gear. Ricky calls his buddy on the phone and says, guys, it's going down live today. Art goes up to cut the power line. He's positive that everything will be fine. But as he cuts the line, it sends him flying through the shed. And as he comes out, his fingernails are completely black. And he says, "How oh, wow, my fillings are hot. Rumsfield checks the line and confirms that he actually got the right line. I didn't expect that from R.J.D. Did that surprise you at all?
1: It did surprise me. And I love the fact that he's got his whole like construction worker outfit here, complete with helmets.
0: Right after his golf outfit. Like he just has outfits everywhere.
1: Oh, yeah, he's he's an outfit man.
0: And earlier, actually, when he escaped the dog, he was in like his bowling outfit. That was his get up there. We cut to Ray and Art. They hop the fence and they start digging holes in the backyard. You can tell some time passes. Art's laying in one of the holes complaining that it's getting hot. Ray tells him, well, how'd you try digging your own hole? They have made some small holes like all over the yard. And then Art recommends, why don't we check out the house? It's probably a lot cooler in there. Ray busts out a window and then unlocks the back door to get into the house. We cut to Ricky, whose party's in full effect. One of the guys shouts over to Mr. Rumsfield, hey, when is this going to be over? Because I got to get to work. Rumsfield yells down to Ricky, will you get this lame-o out of your yard? I love that line. Down in the basement, art starts up. A huge gas furnace that shoots out flames. We cut back to Ricky who comes running over outside and yells, yo, Rumsfield! That startles him and he falls from the top of the house all the way to the ground. Ricky tells him, that was very cool, Mr. Rumsfeld. J.D., what would you think of this beginning of our climactic scene here?
2: Yeah,
1: so the third act definitely starts up with a, a great setup. And for what it's worth, there's a lot of foreshadowing that happens in the previous scenes where Carrie Fisher's talking about, you know, we need to end this before somebody falls off the roof or gets set on fire. <laughs> uh, and here we have a Bruce Dern falling off the roof. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: no spoilers
1: on the fire, but yeah, keep going. And it's, it's just so good. And it, it just, it balances the comedy and the horror and the terror of the situation so well that I don't know whether to be scared or to laugh. And meanwhile, we got, you know, Tom Hanks playing host with Shia LaBeouf in the backyard of his neighbor's house.
0: <laughs> it's nighttime. Ricky's friends are getting a little restless. They're hungry. They're like, hey, man, we're going to split. Maybe go grab a quarter pounder or something. He's like, no, wait. This is the best part. I called the pizza dude. The Kopecks turn on the street and they see that lights are on in their basement. The doctor shuts off the headlights and goes in reverse before anybody can see the car. We cut back to Art and Ray. Ray hits some metal and Art radios to Rumsfeld that they found Walter. I love that he just assumes it's Walter. Outside, Rumsfeld is really excited until he sees a car turn on the street and head toward Walter's house. The door opens up and we see Walter being helped out of the car. He now has a walker as well. Rumsfeld radios into Ray that we got a real problem here. It's Walter. He's back. We see the Klopaks turn onto the street, followed by the cops. Art tells Ricky to distract them. So he runs and jumps on the hood of the cop car. Back inside, Ray tells Art he hit a gas line in the run. So they run for the exit gets out safely, but the house blows while Ray's still in it. And then a couple minutes later, we see Ray as one of the neighbors goes, something's moving in there. I think it's actually Bonnie. And he comes kind of wobbling out of the house. I love when he goes down the steps. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but he, he goes to step and he just like misses all three of them. lands <laughs> perfectly. That Shout out to Tom Hanks because you know that was, that was something he probably ad-libbed on the spot. It's perfect uh his clothes are all torn out he can't see out of one eye what what do you think of the house blowing up here we got our fire
1: we there's the fire and there's it's a brutal fire it's a massive explosion somehow tom hanks emerges his eye in the scene has always bothered me from since when i was a child the way that it's so puffed up and just uh, oh just sickening great makeup
0: yeah very well done. Carol arrives back home to all the chaos. She gets out to find Ray, who's all bandaged up. And the first thing he says is, Oh, you cut your hair. I like it. We cut to Art, who's telling an investigator, You know, these guys are bad people. The cop tells him, you No, know, he's actually a well respected doctor. It's not a joke. Let's listen to Ray blow up on Art as Art continues to spin his stories
3: here. No, they're not. Are they, Ray? No, go ahead. Tell him. Tell him. We got the goods on him, don't we? Oh, yeah, you know? You know, someday they're gonna dig up the back of that yard and they're gonna find the rest of that skeleton to go with that femur. Oh, it might not be Walter, but it's gonna be some sort of torture pe-
2: Shut up, Art! Shut up! God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me! I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art! You leave! Now, now, no. I'm a soldier! You leave them alone! Get out that case already! They didn't do anything to us! They didn't! help us. All right, so they're different. So they keep to the south. Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into their house and burn it down while they're gone for the day. Remember what you were saying about people in the verbs are right, People like Skip, people who mow their lawn for the 800th time and then snap. Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking in through people's windows. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid eyes. We're the lunatics! Us! It's not them! It's us.
3: I don't know what to say. What, do you want me to move?
2: i kill Oh, Stop oh. Stop it! Stop it! Oh. Ah. Oh. Son, stop. I've been blown up! Take me to the hospital! Take me to
0: the hospital, I'm sick! J.D., what'd you think of this scene? I love this
1: part, and this is something that I didn't necessarily pick up on until my most recent watching, is the exact parallel between everything that they're going through in the burbs and the story that Art tells earlier about Skip, the, the ice cream man killer. Oh, wow. And it essentially what you have is the exact same descent into madness that our characters go through but we see it through you know comedic lens and there's a lot of horror elements and it's very cinematic but you know and then tom hanks's freak out is essentially his realization that he is he's the villain of this movie at this point
0: yeah that's a great point i've never made that connection that's i almost want to go back and watch this again now (laughs) (laughs) or at least watch that scene uh so we see ray lay down on a gurney next He says. Take me to the hospital, I've been blown up, I'm sick. He stands up off the gurney and throws it into the back of the ambulance and then just goes and flops down on it face first. Carol kind of slowly walks over and she's like, I guess I'll just figure out where they're taking you and meet you at the hospital. he's like, all right. Dr. Klopek enters the ambulance. Let's listen to him and Ray. That.
3: Oh, Dr. Klopek, huh? I'm so sorry. You know, Dr. Klopek, when I get out of prison, I'm going to help you rebuild your house. I'll even do some of the work myself. I have the the tools. You know, Carol's father just gave me a brand new set of tools. Do I look like an idiot, Mr. Peterson? No. Do you take me for an imbecile? You may have fooled the others, Mr. Peterson, but you don't fool me. Uh, if I fool the others? But you don't fool me. I don't? No, you don't. Am I missing something here, Doctor? Come now, Mr. Peterson. You were in my basement. Surely you looked in the furnace.
2: Uh, I I saw your furnace, Doctor, but I figured
3: a man's furnace is his own business. eh? You saw one of my skulls, didn't you? Oh, yes. I know you did. It belonged to a neighbor of yours. The name was Nap. We took the house from them. I offered to buy it. But you know how old people are. They grow so attached to things. Uh, you know, Dr. Klopek, I think I forgot my wallet. Uh-huh. I let you keep the fever. Now, now I want
2: my skull. Okay. Or perhaps I might just take yours, Hans. JD, I love
0: this unexpected turn. What did you think here? So I've got three thoughts that
1: I want to share. First of all, this is improvised by Tom Hanks, throwing the gurney into the ambulance. Awesome. He just, this this is just Tom Hanks's comedic genius. Just, yeah, this is what I would do, and this is what he does. And then I love the way that when he throws the gurney into the ambulance, he flops down on it, (laughs) stomach first, which is the same position in which he wakes up from During the dream sequence. Oh wow. Nice. So he's he's in that same position. And then we, of course, get uh sort of giving us a little ham-fisted James Bond fill-in, my master plan is this, and you'll never get away from it. And then, you know, we get this great ambulance scene, which is just it's just so silly.
0: (laughs) The ambulance takes off and Hans is driving. Ray's able to get a hand on him and kind of yank at him which causes Hans to drive right into, as we come to find out, Art's front house, or the front of his house. They go crashing in. The back ambulance doors fly open, and Ray and the doctor come flying out on the gurney. They kind of wrestle back and forth. Eventually, they crash into a car, and then Ray gets out, and he's like, Citizens Arrest! He turns Klopek around, and uh, the cops come over, and they're like, well, you know, we don't have any proof. Ricky goes over to Klopek's car and lifts up the blanket and goes, uh, we do now and unveils a whole bunch of just skulls and bones. And then the cop turns and says, is this your car, Dr. Kopak? And he just goes, Who? <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. Rumsfield spots Hans making a run for him, He goes, Hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? He chases after him. I love when Hans slips in the grass. Oh like, my I gosh. snorted. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. Then Rumsfield puts him in a headlock and says, Don't make a move, Sonny. I was 18 months in a bush. I could snap your neck in a heartbeat. Art is being interviewed by the news, and he says, The lesson, the psychos, fanatics, murders, and nutcases all over the world is, Don't mess with the suburbanites. We aren't just content to look after our lawns, wax our cars, and paint our houses anymore. We're out to get them. Carol and Ray kind of hug in the middle of the street. They walk away as Art is asking them where they're going and what they're doing. And Ray says, I'm going on vacation." Rumsfield tells Art that his wife is home and that his house is on fire. The only thing Art cares about is his wife being home. So he yells, my wife is home. Ricky asks Ray where he's going. It's just starting to get good out here. Ray tells him, going away for a little while. I want you to keep an eye on the neighborhood for me. Ricky says, no problem, Mr. Peterson. And the last shot is Ricky turning right at the camera. and He says, God, I love this street. JD, thoughts on the ending of the movie here?
1: It ends just as swiftly as it starts. Like we don't spend much time really dilly dallying in the story and the story ends and we zoom back out to outer space.
0: Yep. I love that it, it ends the way it started. Beautiful. Perfect ending. Uh, How do you think this movie's held up? I mean, it's going on, it's going to be 30 years next year. So it's, it's been out there for a while. I mean, Obviously there's no cell phones, there's no computers in this entire movie. The TVs are kind of bulky, but other than that, like this doesn't feel like a 30-year-old movie to me. No, it, it doesn't and I think a big part of that is the themes that it
1: sort of plays off of paranoia and not trusting your neighbor and you know skepticism is so so blatantly um Important in today's modern world, where we have to be skeptical about everybody for everything, and it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. What you turn on the news and it's all about witch hunts and pointing fingers, just the same as it was in 1989 with the Burbs, not trusting their neighbors and hearsay, and it's just it's like the Salem witch trials boiled down and then served in a bowl of suburban behavior,
0: Mm. served in a bowl of gremlin cereal. Interesting fact: If you look at the earlier scene, they're eating out of a box of gremlins. Check it out. I thought this is a great episode, man. I think this is cool. It's kind of a shorter episode. I know we're going to be very well under an hour in total. If you guys like this, if you feel like you want us to try and you know do this more often, where we keep this episode a little bit shorter and you know do a little bit less of the you know what's coming in the theater stuff, you know, let us know. Shoot us a tweet, Instagram us, Facebook us. Email us, whatever you want to do. You want to send some mail, you can send it to JD. I'll let him give his own address. You can't have mine. Bunch of weirdos. I don't trust you. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing E.T. JD, let's tease it here real quick. Why should our audience tune in next week to hear us talk about E.T.? E.T.
1: is often referred to as one of those perfect stories, perfect movies, perfectly cast. Everything about it is just... People swear up and down that it holds up. It's a movie that I personally haven't seen in a while, so I'm going to come at it from a very critical standpoint. So you can either expect to agree with me or hate me. So Mm. we're either going to be best friends or or brutal enemies. Go from there. I mean, what what about you? What what are you excited about?
0: Well, I I don't know that it's like held up. Like Some of the stuff is going to definitely be dated. But to go back to what you just mentioned, I do think this is a near perfect script. It might be one of my favorite soundtracks in the history of cinema. John Williams score on this movie is brilliant. It's amazing. I would, I would go to, you know, to the local theater just to listen to them play the whole soundtrack and, and go through this movie. I think the ending of the movie, and I talked about this, I think on the last episode is probably one of the best endings ever. a movie and i'm interested to get your feedback when we dive into like the last 20 minutes
1: yeah man it's gonna be it
0: literally takes you through every emotion it's crazy
1: yeah i'm excited and i think that you know having just done the burbs autumn is officially in full swing we've got spooks month coming up um and et is a great transition into october um and right off the shoulders of the burbs i think that we've got a great one-two punch between these two movies
0: Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube. It's totally free. Just remember to click that subscribe button. Follow us on social media at Back in Time Pod. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. We've literally never gotten an email, but somebody break that for us. Yeah, um, seriously,
1: somebody email us. What the
0: heck? Just, just say, like,
1: I am emailing you. Please, somebody. The first person... The first person to send us an email.
0: What are you going to say? I'm going to give them a prize. Okay. What's the prize?
1: I'm not telling you. It's between me and the first person to email us. Okay. It's valid.
0: It's, you know, let's, let's get the email first. Okay. And guys, it's that time of the episode to climb back into the DeLorean, punch in today's date, return back to present day. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. See ya.
1: Mutilations, Kyle mutilations